Warning, the following might be a bit triggering to people who are sensitive to graphic violence, strong language, and sexual themes. Viewer discretion is advised. Well, look at the time. It's that time again. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome to I Can Go Twice As High, the show where we blaze together so we can go twice as high together. All right, well, without further ado, I'm going to start on chapter 11. Uh, if you want to recap, I think the Russian mob might be involved. That's about all I got. We're going to be reading from chapter 11. Let's see where we go from there. <coughs> so, <coughs> before I start, my dosage is a actually a mixture of the White Rhino and Face Off uh, from before. And I I did that last night and, and I was like, to test it out, and I was like, wow, I really should be reading right now, but I wasn't. I had a friend over. So um, this time, though, I'm going to try it again, <coughs> see if we get the same result. Are you ready? I'm so excited. <laughs> mm. Chapter 11 Jesse Then I doubt this driveway has ever seen the likes of a shitbox like mine I was kind of hoping the automatic gates at the entrance would malfunction and crush my car as I edged through That didn't happen and now I'm navigating the long, winding landscape drive <clears throat> to the sprawling estate home ahead, rubbing the sleep out of my eyes, my head pounding from all the vodka last night, wondering for the hundredth time what the hell, uh, what the hell I'm doing here. Okay, I'm, I have to do a tangent because this made me think of something. Um, <laughs> so I have a new term. If something's like, like a fuck ton, you say like like you did this thing a fuck ton. You can instead say, "I've only done it for the fuckteenth time in a row." Uh, <clears throat> that was worth that was worth a tangent. Okay, two minutes in, already on tangent. Okay, here we go. <sighs> Not that I had an option to say no. The second the second I stepped into the garage this morning, still half asleep, thanks to thin walls and listening to Boone and Priscilla until three in the morning. Wait, are they roommates? Yes. Yes. They were friends in school, high school. Boone got him a job at the garage they are also roommates but at the same time they were really friends in high school excuse me uh that's weird who um <clears throat> who becomes a roommate with someone who they barely knew 
in high school. I mean, you have to be like a, I don't know, like a pretty small town or something, which I guess, I mean, yeah, he did, did, his parents live in a town like near Bend. Um, but where, did they grow up there? I mean, they, I guess they must have. So maybe they did live in a small town. So Boom was from a small town? Hmm, weird. Okay, anyway. I'm so sorry. We haven't even finished the paragraph. Um, Miller shoved a slip of paper into my hand and ordered me to follow the directions to Mr. Petrova's residence for a 10 a.m. meeting and to call him Mr. Petrova unless he tells me otherwise. Sorry, Mr. Petrova. <coughs> I pull up alongside a gold hummer just as Victor and a man I haven't seen before step out of the double-story brick house. Golf bags slung over their shoulders. Ugh! Golf. Man. Not, now I'm not too happy about these tangents, but I have to go on a tangent about golf, man. What the fuck's with golf? Huh? Why does is, why is golf have to be associated with, um, like, rich snobbery, you know? I'm sure there are plenty of people who play golf... We're not rich snobbery, right? But it just seems like that's what people play. And um, middle-aged, no, like mid middle-class, middle-class people play football. And then lower-class people play football. That's in soccer. What am I even saying? I think what I'm saying is that if you're rich, you play golf. If you're middle class, you play football. And if you're lower class, you play soccer. As in, like, for fun. This is such a weird tangent. I don't even know where to go from here. God. We are never going to get through this fucking book. Okay. Ugh. All right. Golf by slung over their shoulders. Gold watches catching rays from a rare day of blue skies and sunshine. <clears throat> Next to their tailored pants and collared golf shirts, I look every bit the broke-ass kid mechanic in my ripped jeans and worn t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. If the way I look right now bothers Victor, he doesn't let on. With that stone-cold mask, he doesn't give much away. Period. Um... <laughs> Hello, Jesse. I am glad you could make it. Uh. <laughs> God, that was my Russian accent. Oh, forgive me. Oh, forgive me. Let me try that again. Hello, Jesse. 
I'm glad you could make it. Not giving me a chance to respond, he hands his clubs to the guy behind him and begins walking toward the four-car garage, calling out behind him. Follow me, please. No, f no friendlier... No friendlier urinal side chatter. Wow, why'd you have to remind me of that book? God. Ugh. <sighs> I just don't like how the book says urinal. You know, I never really liked that word to begin with. Or urinals. But, I really don't like the way this book talks about urinals. Like, God. I, I'm guessing, like, at some point he's going to be, he's going to talk about, like, um, all guys love redheads or something. And I'm gonna call it. My my plan was that I was I was gonna say something that I'm guessing is gonna be in the book, and then all of a sudden it's gonna be in there later in the book. I was that sure of it, but now I don't know what I'm talking about. I I've 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 tangented myself out of existence. Okay. You know what? I know I haven't gotten like usually I count a tangent if I as one tangent from when I stopped reading to when I started reading again. But I'm going to count this as two tangents because I have something else to say. And now I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Who wants to listen to nobody talking on a podcast? <laughs> okay. Uh, let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. This guy is all business today. That's fine. I don't have much to say. Jeez, okay. Excuse me. That's what this show's mostly going to be. It's just going to be like me, like me making retching sounds. Uh. Yeah. All right. <coughs> Apparently the podcast is doing pretty good. I guess people are, are liking it, which is nice. And I got a comment from my mom who said that uh, I had a good voice. And thanks, Mom, whoever you are. <laughs> That's, I'm just kidding. Anyway. Whew. Um... So anyway, yeah, um, I just really, 
appreciate like I just really appreciate all the stuff that you guys have been saying. Um, I appreciate that you guys have been liking this stuff. Um, you know, all I ever wanted to do uh, was be gangsta. <laughs> no, I just wanted to make something that people might like. That people found creative and stuff. My medicine ball is making fart noises. And now my clock is tweeting. Okay, well, that's enough of that. <clears throat> okay, okay, let's see here. When he punches a code into the garage door and we step inside, all I can manage is a low whistle. The garage may have only four doors, but it extends far enough to accommodate eight cars, and Victor has used the space wisely, lining the back wall with a 62 fire engine red Ferrari and a 65 Shelby Coupe in metallic blue, a black 68 Porsche 911, and a green 55 Mercedes Coupe. Four together... Have to be worth a couple million. Easy. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Boone's right. I may blow my load in my pants right here, standing next to Victor Petrova. Okay. I knew he was going to talk about his penis again. He was talking about urinals, and now he's talking about blowing his load again. It just says blowing his load. Blowing his load. I, I hope he doesn't mind blowing my load. I blew my load all over his wife. Whoopsie-doopsie. <coughs> okay. Um, as you can see, I too have a passion for classic cars. These have all been completely restored. Prying my eyes from the Shelby with difficulty, I glance over at Victor. Genuine excitement dances through his eyes as they slide over his collection. All rare, all expensive, and all in mint condition. Their coats of paint gleaming under the fluorescent lighting. Sorry. With a nod toward the far left, he says, I would like to add my Aston Martin with your help. A mixed collection of boxes and loose car parts surround the classic. A dull navy blue in need of some serious bodywork. A small rust hole eating through the, black, the back panel. <coughs> Still, it's a fucking TB5. This guy already has the polished but hardened appearance down pat. Throw him in a suit and this car finished, and someone might cast him in the next James Bond movie. More likely as the villain, though. 
What the fuck did I just read? This person writes. I... God damn it. <laughs> All right. Writing is hard, okay? I watch as he pulls a cigarette and a lighter from his shirt pocket. The pack has the same strange alphabet on it that I now recognize as Russian. Oh my god. Why did you say strange? Wait, why did you say strange alphabet in the prologue then? If now you know it's Russian, then why did you say strange alphabet in the prologue? Huh? Hmm? I feel like this person, like, one day was, like, just discovered what Russian was and decided to write a book. Like, I've never even, I never even knew of a Russia. <laughs> and then talks about how Russian's weird. Russian's this alien language I've never heard of before. <laughs> sorry. I'm liking the book. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, through the first inhale, he mutters, the engine has ceased. I expect it will need plenty of new parts. If you provide me a list, I will appropriate them quickly. I find his precise dialect and tone off-putting. He says, I will, instead of I'll. He uses words like, appropriate instead of get. Are you... I'm telling you, like, from what I think I'm reading, like, and I'm, I'm stoned, but from what I think I'm reading, this person has this fascination with Russian. Like, they literally just found it out. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird. Like, people who grow up in Russia, they don't think of themselves as aliens. This is like... I don't know what I'm trying to say anymore. Wow. This is getting, like... Okay. Um, note to self. Do not mix face-off with white rhino. You get too high. <sighs> Excuse me. All right. Man, this is, I'm more fucked up than when I found out that there was a, <coughs> a Pawn Stars episode of iCarly. That's a thing. Look it up. <coughs> Excuse me. I cross my arms over my chest as the first swirl of tobacco touches my nostrils. Nostrils. My eyes scan the corners of the room, looking for cameras. 
From what I could see coming in, the entire property is surrounded by black wrought iron fences with four mint cars in the back and one in pieces. There's no way this garage isn't heavily watched. I can't find any cameras, though. <clears throat> Russ told me you are somewhat of a... He searches for the word at the end with... A virtuoso. I've never heard anyone use the word before, but I have a general idea of what it might mean. I know a few things. I feel the smirk touch my lips. Unlike Boone, I am not one to brag. And because I have a friend like Boone, there's no need. The guy does plenty of it for me. I don't know how long this will take. I mean, I could swing some evenings and weekends, but... I want you to start right now. My finger... Yeah. This is your job. Your job was to go to this person's house and fix their car. So this isn't some side project. This is your job. Did you know that? I mean, this person... This person, um, like, works with your boss, Rust. So, this is work. You work for a company, basically, who steals cars. So, we found, we did, we found that out. (coughs) It said, um... Uh, so you should just quit right there. I mean, if, if you didn't want to do that, but anyway. What the f- Where was I? Oh, God. Okay, oh, here we go. My fingertips scrape against the, my stubble. No time to shave this morning. As I ponder how to handle what is basically an order. No offense, Mr. Petrova, but I can't lose my full-time job because you want to fill your garage with expensive rides. His lips press together in a tight smile, and I can't tell if he's annoyed or sincerely amused. Call me Victor, please. Fair enough. After your regular hours and weekends, until you're done. I don't understand. I thought Victor and Rust worked together. Why would Rust? Wouldn't he know? Like, why wouldn't? Why would? Oh, I'm confused. That won't be exhausting at all. (laughs) Sarcasm. Reading sarcasm. Sarcasm comes across so well in reading. That's two. I hope I'm keeping track of these. 
I am keeping track of these. I just hope I'm keeping track of them well. Okay. It's not going to be cheap. He's, he said he'd make it worth my while, but we have yet to talk actual figures. And if he's going to demand my time, then he can pay for it. I'm no sucker. His hands lift in the air, palms up, cigarette hanging between two fingers. Does it look like I'm concerned? The way he says that, with that condescending smile, should annoy me, but it doesn't, because it's the truth. I expect him to say, Name your price, so I can start crunching numbers in my head. How much I get paid at rust times, how many hours this may take me, plus travel and gas, plus overtime, plus extra padding, just because. Basically, how much, how much I can tally up to earn enough for a decent 69 Plymouth Barracuda, which is why I came here in the first place. <coughs> you put this car together for me, and I will hand you the keys to your car. <clears throat> he takes an he takes an extra long haul of a cigarette, then leans down to butt it into the cement floor. <coughs> oh, cotton mouth. <coughs> okay. You serious? Victor smiles but it doesn't reach his eyes. There are no things I never joke about. There are two things I never joke about, Jesse. Cars and my debts. And all the papers to go with it? The last place I want my dream car taking me is to jail for Grand Theft Auto. A frown zags across his forehead. Of course. And it'll run? Doesn't matter. You can fix anything. Right? He gestures ahead of us. As you can see, I have plenty of tools. An engine hoist. I can get whatever you need for my expensive ride. I am not home much, so I will make sure that my wife is here to let you in. <clears throat> Meeting, mentioning of mention of Alexandria has my eyes drifting through the steel door in the corner. It sounds like a porno. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, wow, this is 
the worst episode ever. Oh, God. Excuse me. Oh, okay. I should have called this, um, Cannaburp. <laughs> like cannabis. And then just all the burping that I do. Excuse me. Okay, we're good. <laughs> we're hanging in there. This is this is honestly the worst episode of this series. I don't even know if I'm going to... Oh, we're almost done with this chapter. Okay, we're almost done with this chapter. Okay. 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 Mention of Alexandria has my eyes drifting to the steel door in the corner. I assume that leads into the house. Is she in there right now? Or did she take another car and go out? Tabs had her BMW on the hoist this morning, affixing a new muffler that had miraculously over appeared overnight. <clears throat> so, one Aston Martin for one Plymouth Barracuda. Barracuda? Those cold blue eyes penetrate me. Does he hope I'll say yes? Or does he simply expect it? Strolling over the frame, I slide my hand over the hood. This hunk of metal in front of me was once a beautiful car that purred and raced. If I have any clue what I'm doing, it will be again. And I will get the distinct impression, and I get the distinct impression that if I say yes to him, I sure as hell better know what I'm doing in fast. It's a deal. Good. His dress shoes scrape against the concrete as he approaches my side. A smooth manicured hand extended. He's now one for dirty work. That much is obvious. I guess the manly garage is just for show. So you'll be here tonight to take a better look? It's more of a statement than a question. I'm eager to drive this car. Victor! His friend calls from the doorway. It's followed by something in Russian. Asvodanya, oh, it's possible. That's the only two words. <laughs> the words sounding quick and harsh. If you will excuse me now, Jesse, I need to get back to him on my, I, I need to be on my way. Did I give him the count as the voice? One, ah, ah, one tangent, ah, 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 15 tangent, ah, 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 fuck you, ah, ah, ah. <clears throat> He stands by the door, arm, his arm gesturing out. 
clearly sending me a message to hit the road. I guess I'll see you tonight, then. I could argue with him, reject the timing. I'm good at negotiating. <clears throat> I've had years of experience doing it with my with a dad who thinks the world should bend to his will because he's the almighty sheriff. But Victor's dangling something that I'm willing to jump through hoops for. He knows it. I throw my shitty ass car. Wait, I throw my shitty ass car. I can't wait to park this ballless hunk of metal for the last time. Into reverse. To follow the Hummer out when something catches the corner of my eye. Alexandria. Leaning against the next the window next to the door. Watching me. What the fuck? <laughs> I check my rear view mirror to see the Hummer's brake lights by the end of the drive, waiting for the gate to open. So I wave at her, not really a wave, more like four fingers lifting into the air, my thumb still hooked on the steering wheel. Oh yeah, like when you're passing somebody. I hold my hand there, wondering what she'll do. At first I think she's not going to acknowledge me, but then her own hand lifts up to press against the glass. She keeps it there as I roll away. Whew, not good. Not good. Oh, okay, okay, we gotta change we gotta change gears here. That took way too fucking long. Excuse me. That took way too fucking long. Whew. Gotta change gears. Okay. Chapter 12. Jane Doe. Now. Dr. Aldwood's black sedan chugs along the bustling main street of Sisters, my new hometown. <coughs> it's only 21 miles northwest of Bend, but it already feels like a lifetime away from the only other place in the world that I remember. Dr. Aldwood sighs, coming to a dead stop in front of a hair salon as someone up ahead waits to make a left turn. The sight makes me retch up the, and touch my own hair. Wait, what? <coughs> Dr. Allwood sighs, coming <clears throat> to a dead stop in front of a hair salon as someone up ahead waits to make a left turn. The sight makes me reach up and touch my own hair. Now, my hair, now colored a nice golden blonde and cut to my shoulders. We just left the stylist in Bend. She showed me how to set the part so the patch where they had to shave my head is covered. <coughs> Still think you should have just gotten a wig. If the town would just build a bypass for the highway, we could avoid this daily traffic jam. 
Dr. Aldwin murmurs. I don't mind the traffic. With the sun beating down on us <coughs> in the windows rolled up rolled open, the warm spring air carries with it the hum of life. My eyes skim the pedestrians and the storefronts along both sides, many of which appear to be galleries. A lot of people like art around here, don't they? <clears throat> Dr. Aldwood nods. The town has become something of a tourist destination. It's the intention, anyway. They did some major restorations trying to bring the old frontier town feel back to it. <coughs> frontier. Yes. The boxy buildings with angular faces do remind me of an old black and white western movie I watched the other night in my hospital room. I don't, this isn't real. <laughs> Come on. I'm supposed to imagine like an old western town in, in the middle of Oregon? <sighs> Fucking what? That's bullshit. <clears throat> Unless I'm thinking... Wait, maybe Bend is more on the eastern side. This is definitely... room when entertainment options were slim while western films don't seem to be doing my thing don't seem to be my thing i like the feel of this place it seems small safe how many people live here about two thousand just the way gabe and i like it after the stressful day at work it's nice to come back to something more simple I press up against the window to see the top of a tall, narrow tree on the corner. <clears throat> it's needled branches like pine cleaners. That's called a ponderosa pine, Doctor Aldwood explains. We're known for it. In, in, we're known for. We're known in these parts for them. You'll see them all over Ginny's ranch, our place too. Dr. Aldwood, please, please call me Meredith, she interrupts me. You're no longer in the hospital. Same with Gabe. I'd like to think we know each other well enough to use first names now. I nod and try it out for the first time. Meredith, I want to get a job and earn money. What is there to do around here? Her brow pinches together. We'll think some. Gabe's family has lived in these parts for generations. I'm sure someone would be willing to help us out if we ask. Maybe a small retail store. She points to one with a scrolling sign hanging at the front of it. A quilt dangles in the window with swirls of blue and white in the background. 
and the black skeleton of a tree standing prominently in the center. <clears throat> That's actually one of only a few original buildings that didn't get burned down in the 20s. Still, Sisters uh, has survived and thrived. I never looked that up. I gotta look that up. Sisters. <sighs> Surviving and thriving. Maybe this town is perfect for a person like me. I have the first part down pat. We continue to ride in relaxed silence, leaving the bustling town behind for a series of side roads, each one bumpier and more remote. Soon the houses disappear altogether. Ahead of us is nothing but wide-open, straw-colored fields, peppered with those ponderosa pines and looming like a curtain backdrop, three mountain peaks ahead. Okay. Tangent time. This gives me the idea of like a game, like an open world game where you make a character who had something horrible happen to them. And you never see it. You don't get any flashbacks and, and stuff. You just... Uh, it's just... You wake up. You hear about all the awful shit that happened to you. There's no music. And then you're... Set off into a town and uh, just have to go from there. And and it's like an open world thing where you like you get a job, you you explore the town. You know, there's story missions that help you know reveal some of your past each time. Oh, this is like a really good. Oh man. Ooh, I should write this down. Oh, man, I hope I remember this. Oh, this is a new story project to work on. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm kidding. This is the best episode. Okay. Okay. This is... This would be good. This would be a really good game. All right. Yeah, that was worth a tangent. Okay. <clears throat> Those are the three sisters, Meredith explains, noticing my riveted attention. They're actually volcanic peaks. Low risk, though. They're really high, I murmur, taking in the white caps they still wear, even when everything below is a lush green. Yes, over 10,000 feet. We make a left down a slightly narrower dirt road. That's our house back there. We pass along drive that disappears into a scene of tall trees. About a hundred yards over sits a rusted and dented blue mailbox that reads Fitzgerald, its flag raised. Meredith pulls the car up and empties it of a thick stack of flower, flyers and envelopes. She hands them to me. Can you sort... 
Can you sort these for me? Removing anything not addressed directly to Jenny. Remove anything not addressed directly to Jenny, or we'll have to listen to a ten-minute rant about the government conspiracy. Okay. I filter through the pile, wondering yet again what I've gotten myself into. It took me a night of contemplation, lying in my dark, lonely hospital room, to realize that this is actually a great thing. One cranky old lady with a bucket of issues and my own space to live <coughs> in is definitely preferable to a shelter full of nosy strangers and no privacy. Besides, the Wellses live next door, and they're as close to family as I have right now. Meredith's car dips and bumps as we slowly make our way over the potholes. As you can guess, getting trash to the curb on collection day can be a real pain. We're about a quarter mile, we're about a quarter of a mile off the road. She has an old truck that she uses to take out the bags, but it's still tough. Doing that and getting the mail are some things that you can do to help Jenny out. Huh. I think I read this all wrong. And the car dips and bumps as we slowly make our way over the potholes. As you can guess, getting trash to the curb on collection day can be a real pain. We're about a quarter of a mile off the road. She has an old truck that she uses to take out the bags, but it's still tough. <laughs> Doing that and getting the mail are some things that you can do to help Jenny out, as long as you feel up to it physically. But you'll just have to start doing it. She won't ask. She's stubborn like that. We round a bend of trees, and I get my first look at the Fitzgerald Ranch, complete with three mismatched buildings, a small white cl clapboard house to the far, far left, a brown two-door garage ahead, and a sturdy-looking red barn to the right. Wooden fences trail along the property as far as my eye can see, creating a maze of corals, of corrals, some sit faded and falling apart, while others stand secure, lighter beams of wood telling me that they've seen more uh, they've seen some repair. Is that Amber? I watch the rider atop a black and white horse gallop toward a striped wooden beam erected in between two stands. The horse sails over it with ease. Yes, yes, that's Amber. Meredith's eyes gleam with joy. She used to ride competitively. She retired a couple of years ago. But she keeps Ginny's horses active. Back when Gabe was young, the Fitzgeralds had many horses on this ranch. They've died off over the years. There are only two left. Meredith's head nods toward the field where a second horse grazes in the distance, its brown and white coat shining in the sun. I want a horse. I want a horse so badly. God, that would just be amazing. 
I want to ride a horse, man. 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 Where's my horse? Where's my horse? I want a horse. I want to ride horses. Be a cowboy, man. Jesus. Oh, Lord. Okay. Um, this is going to be a long episode. This is the long, this is the worst episode again. Oh, Jesus. Okay, here we go. You said she's lived here all her life? I can believe it. The house looks old and in some need of mending. The shingles lifting the siding stained by weather and dirt, but those details are less striking than the black iron bars on the first story windows. Meredith must see my frown. Ginny likes to feel secure in her home. That's all that is. Jeez. We come to a stop in front of an oversized covered porch. Judging by its newer and mismatched shingles uh, and wood beams, clearly a latter addition, a later addition to the house. And I immediately spot the gray-haired figure sitting on a bench, her lap covered by a large quilt needle in hand. I model <clears throat> a molted brown dog of no identifiable breed lies on the worn wood floor next to her, its tail flopping up and down at a leisurely pace. Okay. Meredith climbs out of her car with the ease of a woman who hasn't touched a potato chip in ten years. What? Bikes the old roads twice a week and swims at the Y every Saturday morning that she's not working. Okay, wait, hold on. What are we doing? Meredith climbs out of her car with the ease of a woman who hasn't touched a potato chip in 10 years, bikes the old roads twice a week and swims at the Y every Saturday morning that she's not working. Once when we were having a conversation about age, mine in particular, she told me that she's 48, that after, uh, that after I guessed 40 tops, uh, she's 48, that, that after I guessed 40 tops, and she laughed at me. That after I guessed 40, after that I guessed 40? Tops? And she laughed at me? Is there a typo? I'm not crazy, right? Like, I'm reading these words. I'm reading these words, and... It's... It's weird. What is... Okay, mm-hmm. I think it's just I'm too high. Yeah, this was a bad choice. 
Man. All right, well, I'll try to find a, a good balance. This is what this is all about. Find a good balance. Find a good balance. This show sucks. Um... Hello, Jenny. How are you feeling today? Meredith calls out. Shrewd, hazel eyes regard us. Like you stole an organ from me a week ago. A terrible organ at that. Would you like it back? The bitterness of Jenny, the bitterness in Jenny's voice seems to simply roll off Meredith, setting her quilt down next to her on the porch swing. Jenny slides off the bench and takes the three steps down to the grass slowly. The dog trails her like a shadow. By the white beard dusting its chin and the cloudy eyes directed my way as its nose twitches, I can see that it's old. So, they finally let you out of that godforsaken prison. That's good. I swallow, not really sure how to answer that. After all, the hospital doesn't have bars on the windows. I finally decide on. Thank you for letting me stay here. Well, of course. Come on now, girl. I've noticed that she has yet to yet, yet to call me Jane like everyone else. I wonder if that's a conscious choice on her part or if she can't be bothered with names, fake or otherwise. Throwing my small duffel bag over my good arm, filled with a collection of donated items from the nurses, as well as goodbye, a goodbye card from the hospital staff, we trail Jenny and the old dog as they lead us away from the house toward the garage. If you ever need, if you ever need anything, or just a hop over the fence away. I don't think she can hop, man. She's kind of fucked up right now. <laughs> Meredith points to the other side of the garage, past a dilapidated farm fence, and through a thin line of those ponderosa pines. Say pine tree. Go on. To a more, much more modern, but small gray bungalow with a sloped red roof and big bay doors, big bay windows. Uh, for all the wide open fields around us, I find it odd that the two houses are practically side by side. Um, yes, so close that when that damn boy of hers shows up with that damn car, it'll rattle your teeth, Ginny grumbles. The mention of teeth has me running my tongue along the new wall in my mouth, where the dentures have filled the gap, given everything else that was broken and battered on my body. A few missing molars should have been the least of my worries, and yet, when a dentist from Ben offered his services as part of a goodwill gesture a few weeks ago, I started to cry. With a patient smile, Meredith answers, I know, Ginny. 
I asked him if there was anything we could do about it. Unfortunately, that's just the type of car it is. It's supposed to sound like that. Why? So it can wake the dead? Jenny rounds the corner and begins climbing a steep, narrow set of wooden stairs. The dog, who hasn't strayed more than two feet from its owner since we arrived, now hunkers down on the concrete landing, forcing us to step over it to follow the old woman up through a plain white door. It leads into a long, narrow room with sloped ceilings meeting in the center and and sparse and in center and sparse mismatched furnishings throughout. Running along the left side is a kitchen with a white speckled countertop, old compact appliances, and a small worn window wooden table. To the right is a seating area with two wicker armchairs flanking a simple wood stove, a tidy small uh, pile of wood next to it, a brown and black tube television set atop a faded blue dresser. The screen can't be more than 11 inches. In the far corner is a twin bed with a simple white iron headboard. The smell of bleach and fresh paint permeates the chilly air, telling me that, though old, the bright white walls are freshly painted and the place, is in, and the place was recently cleaned. I lived in this apartment for nearly 37 years. Ginny's eyes roll over the place. It's just been sitting here doing nothing. I thought it may as well be put to use. I struggle to keep the burn in my eyes from developing into full-blown tears. This is perfect. I turn to face her. Thank you. She peers at me with her lips pursed together, as if deciding whether to say what she's thinking. I get the impression that Ginny doesn't censor herself much. Finally, she points a thin finger to the corner opposite the bed. Bathroom's over there. Nothing but a few old tractors and a mouse or two down below. But Felix but Felix just had youngins, so they'll take care of those quick. She's a good mouser. I lift a brow. A female cat named Felix? What? Who gives a fuck? You don't fucking know. You don't fucking know. Felix could be a great girl's name. You don't fucking know. I I I didn't think Jack was a. What the fuck? What? What? Is... I'm sorry, I had to check my phone because, uh, uh, it had randomly opened up a web page and I thought I wasn't recording anymore. God, um, 
We just got to finish this chapter. All right, guys. Okay, we can do this. We can do this. We only got about 10, 12 more pages to go. Okay. I've left you a spare key. Uh, I've left you a spare set of keys for the truck in case you want to drive yourself into town. It's old, but she'll get you there. You know how to drive, right? Excuse me. Good question. I shrug. Maybe? I don't have a license. I don't have any sort of identification. Sheriff Wells, I mean, Gabe, I frown. Calling him by his first name just doesn't settle well. I decide on a middle ground. I mean, Sheriff Gabe uh, is going to help me get one. She dismisses my word and will wave. No matter. I guess we'll find out soon enough. There ain't no people out there on the roads anyways. And if you get pulled over, just give them Gabe's name. It's the least he can do for not finding the person who hurt you. Then we'll be ready at 6 p.m. on the porch. Don't be late. The way the old woman strings together thoughts, bouncing from the mundane to the serious, and back to the mundane is mind-boggling. It seemed pretty normal to me. I listened to the stair. I listened to the stairs outside creak as Ginny leaves. Last week was the first time I've ever been up here in my life. Meredith, who has remained quiet since following me into the apartments, admits. Apartment. Not bad, right? She takes slow steps through the space, her boots clomping over the faded plank wood floors. It's a little sparse. We'll get some more comfortable furniture in here as soon as we can. It's more than enough for me. I don't know how I'm used to living, but right now, I don't care about fancy furniture. I've been in limbo for months. I'm finally standing in a place that I can begin to call home. She makes her way over to open the old, round-edged refrigerator. Good. Amber got some fruit and yogurt. Juice, she adds absently. If it had been Jesse's stock in this, you'd be living off frozen pizzas and Coke. What's wrong with frozen pizzas and Coke, huh? Huh? What's wrong with frozen pizzas and Coke? I have frozen pizza. I I think I'm legally required to. For a man living by himself, I think he's legally required to, to get frozen pizzas. It's a legal requirement. Okay. Wow, okay. Okay. So both your children live with you still? I ask as casually as possible. She doesn't ever bring her son up in conversation. She pushes the door shut slowly before shifting over to the stove, turning this knob and that as if it, testing it. Well, only Amber. 
just for now. She's rarely home. She worked so much. And your son? He's in Portland. He'll come for the odd weekend, though. Stays in the apartment above the garage. Tapping the back left burner, she adds. Gabe says this, um... Gabe says this burner is temp temperamental. So just avoid it when you cook. Much lower, she mutters, because I'm sure you'll need a break from Ginny's cooking sooner rather than later. Me? Cook? Do I cook? Oh, this would be such a cool video game. I wander over to the bed to take in the colorful spread. And my feet falter. Hey, this is... My voice drifts off as my fingers trace over the red and yellow and orange swirls. It's the quilt Jenny was working on last week in the hospital. The one she crumbled and I smoothed out. The bright colors are merely a backdrop for an enormous black tree. The obvious focal point. Just like the quilt hanging in that store window in town. Wow, she finished it already. Ginny's known around town as the tree quilt lady. I swear, half of Duchette's county has one of her creations in their house. That store I pointed out to you, it sells them on consignment. Meredith's brow furrows. It may be worth talking to the owner, actually. I thought I heard her say that she needed some help this summer. Wow, what coincidences. It's okay. Okay. We can't get through this, man. We need to get through this. I'm so sorry. I'm going way over my time. Whew, okay. And not slowly. A quilt store. I can handle working in a quilt store, I think. My attention shifts back to the beautiful piece stretched out over my bed. These must take her a lot of time. Ginny has a lot of time. There's a pause, and I turn around to find Meredith gripping the back of a rickety... Um, whitewashed chair with her skilled surgical hands. Look, Ginny takes some getting used to. Don't take anything she says personally, especially in the next little while. This is a big change for her and she doesn't adjust well to anything. If you haven't figured it out already, she isn't a fan of people. She much prefers B to be alone. She must she much she much prefers to be to be alone. And she doesn't like anyone in her space. Right. Don't touch your things. I remember her words from the hospital. You can't be touching my stuff. Ginny had said. Was that a warning? Did she already know that she'd be taking me in? Meredith cringes. Well, yes. But it goes beyond that. Until last week's hospital trip, Ginny hadn't left this property since she buried her father almost ten years ago. I pick 
I pick up her groceries and drop her mail off to pay her bills. The veterinarian comes to check in on the horses. No one besides Gabe has ever stepped foot inside her house. Um, and, and the dog, right? There was a dog before too, wasn't there? Gabe stepped foot inside her house in over seven years. And that's because the only toilet backed up... In the, and that's because the only toilet backed up and she refused to let a plumber in the door. She snorts. Gabe didn't know a thing about fixing toilets. He spent all weekend there with a manual and a new set of tools cursing. The porch is the only common space under that roof. So don't be offended when she doesn't invite you in ever. Okay. So she's a bit territorial, and paranoid, and frugal. You also want a television or phone. You also won't find a television or phone anywhere in her house. She disconnected all the lines after her father died. I walk over to study the television on the dresser with a curious frown. That was her father's. Meredith confirms. She noticed that you liked having a television in the hospital room, so she dragged it out of her storage cellar. Apparently, all of her parents' things are stowed in there. She's a bit of a pack rat, an extremely tidy and organized one. But does it work? I turn the knob on the top right. Gray static fills the tiny screen. Meredith shakes her head. She's making an extraordinary effort for you, believe me. But that's as far as she got. We can see about getting you a newer one. I smile at the thought of the old woman setting this up here for me. Gabe arranged for a cable company on Monday morning to install a line for you. You may want to be on the lookout. Ginny is liable to charge to change her mind and chase them away with her broom. Amber has a cell phone and an old laptop for you and she'll bring <clears throat> that she'll bring over. You'll be able to pick up our wireless router signal from here. Just keep it out of Ginny's sight so you won't have to deal with her grumbling. Okay. Thanks. That's Great. Not that I have anyone to phone. And will I know how to use a computer? I saw plenty of them at the hospital, but I never actually sat down in front of one to see how much of a, of a learned behavior it is for me. She sighs. Well, I've got to get ready for work. Are you okay here alone? Of course. I've been completely alone for three months now. Like I, like I said, Amber will be over soon. I'm sure you two will be spending a lot of time together. A warm smile stretches across her face as she squeezes my shoulder. Open some windows and enjoy the fresh air. Everything will be just fine. You were meant to survive. I firmly believe that. With those final words... She roll, She strolls out the door, pulling it shut behind her, and I frown at the, at the peephole 
the two deadbolts, and the latch lock that can't possibly be necessary out here in the middle of nowhere. Unless you're the victim of a rape that still haunts you almost 50 years later. Yeah, wow. Okay, it's officially, like, been over an hour. We're gonna... Man. This episode's gonna be, like, two hours long. Worst episode. Zero out of five. Yeah, don't worry. I'm still keeping track. Ugh. What if it was Gabe, though? Or her father? Jeez, that'd be bad. I close my eyes against the rising panic. Will this be more... Will this be me one day? Will I find comfort in the locks and chains? Will I wish for bars across my windows? I told Dr. Weimer about my talk with Ginny and the growing fears that sprouted from it. She didn't make any... She didn't make any sugar-coated promises or predictions. It'll be difficult, she said. You will wish you didn't remember that part, she said. You may never remember that part, depending on how lucid you were at the time, she also said. I found myself praying for that possibility. I'd like to know who did this to me, but I don't need to relive it. It's not like I'll ever forget that it happened. All I have to do is look in the mirror to be reminded that it did. But Dr. Weimer also reiterated that I'm not alone and I do not have to live like I am. I can choose not to live like Jenny. I survey my space again. There are two dormer windows facing the driveway and one overlooking the side of the property and a glass door at the other end of the, of the long room. I slide it open and step outside. For an apartment this long and spacious, the wooden balcony is tiny, more a perch than anything. A green and blue woven lawn chair that has seen better days sits in the corner. There isn't room for much else. I rest my hands on the wobbly railing and take in the smell of clean, crisp air and vista the vista of land and trees and the three peaks beyond. It's a view more beautiful than, well, I don't know if I've seen anything like this before. And except for the occasional chirp of a bird, I hear nothing but the creak of the wood under my weight and my own pounding heartbeat. A blue canopy hangs over me, the clouds fleecy, fleecy and white. I imagine that it's a dome enclosing me in this piece, separating me from my turmoil, which continues to swirl outside. Motion in the, in the grass catches my attention. A black and white cat creeps along the green expanse, its attention zoned in on something unseen, its body hovering low to the ground, its ears flat. I assume that that's Felix, 
out to earn her reputation. A string of frisky kittens in varying mixtures of all black, all white, and everything in between comes bouncing up behind her, oblivious to their mother's endeavors. Whatever Felix was hunting must have been scaring away, must have been scared away because the cat eases into a stand and shoots what I surmise is an annoyed glare the kitten's way. I can't help myself. I burst out laughing. It's a low, uncontrollable sound that begins in my belly and sails from my lips with abandon. And I realize that it's the first time I've ever heard my laugh that I can remember. Was I a person who laughed a lot? Did I laugh at myself? At others? I make a silent promise to learn how to laugh freely because that little burst felt like a release. But the sound must have startled the kittens because they have scattered, two bolting under the fence between Ginny's and the Wells's properties. From this vantage point, I have a perfect view of the Wells's garage that sits to my left and farther back, a long structure that matches in color scheme the house with a steep roof that allows from that room above and a double garage door. It's open, and the tail end of a shiny black car sticks out, and Jesse is beside it, watching me. The rest of my body jumps with my heart as I take him in, leaning against the back wall, legs crossed at the ankles, like he's been standing there for some time, tapping a silver tool meth methodically against his jeans. Even from here, those eyes feel like they're penetrating my skin. A strange sensation watches over me, one I can't identify, one I can't say that I like, but also one that I can't say I don't. One, two, three. Who will win this staring contest? He doesn't seem to be letting up. I let my hair fall forward a bit in case he can see the red line from that distance. Though I doubt it. This is just ridiculous. This is Dr. Aldwood and Sheriff Wells' no, Meredith and Sheriff Gabe's son. Why would I not say hi? I hold up I hold my hand up in a tentative gesture. It's not really a wave, and I wait, wondering, and for some reason not breathing. Hey. Oh, hey. A panting Amber calls out, stepping out onto the cramped patio in her tall riding boots. Startling me enough that I jump yet again, I never heard her come in. How do you like it so far? I drop my hand. It's perfect for me. It truly feels like it is. Maybe this is a, maybe this is similar to my previous life after all. The horses, the mountains, the fresh air, the quaint little apartment. It feels like it fits me. Gosh. 
That sounds wonderful. I want that. I want all of that. I want all of it. Sounds amazing. I'm going to live on a farm. Horses. I don't have to worry about fucking the city. Sounds great. I want to be a country boy. Mm. Amber grins her typical wide, white-toothed, flawless smile. Uh, could. We had cleaners and painters come in this past week to fix it up. You wouldn't believe the fuss Jenny made. If it's anything like that day in the hospital, I think I can picture it. This is an anime. This is, I'm reading an anime, which makes my heart instantly soften for the old woman because that couldn't have been easy. She really does mean well. I can't help but glance over at the garage, but I try to do it covertly. My smile falters when I see that Jesse is gone. What the hell? Why wouldn't Jesse be like, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. What can I do for you? But maybe she's like, oh, no, we can't. Because the, the mobsters would be after him, watching him, or something. Okay. Something like that? I don't know. That's my brother. He barely comes out to say hi. He's so in love with that stupid car. She turns inside. Oh, he got the car? got the car I think I hear her mutter under her breath it's probably stolen Ooh. <laughs> excuse me my eyes flash as I trail her in this is the sheriff's son we're talking about right really no not really she sighs as she opens the laptop resting on the table. My brother just does things that I don't understand. Things that have made my parents' lives harder than they need to be. My mom said he comes home on weekends sometimes. She starts hitting a bunch of keys. Her fingers moving fast. Yeah, over the last few months. He's been doing it more often. But before that, I hardly saw him. Yeah, well, he's a fucking adult. You know, you don't don't need to fucking be attached to your parents. Come on. Amber. Maybe you should grow up. Oh, wow, okay. Got five pages left. Let's just keep going. Okay, uh, click, click, click. I think something happened with a girl he was dating. He told my mom that he was going to marry her, which is weird coming from Jesse, who's never, who's never gotten serious with anyone. I guess it didn't work out. What? What, the, what happened? So he was in love with a girl. Is he still in love with her? Yeah, obviously. 
What was she like? Amber sighs as she scribbles some letters down on a pad of paper lying next to her. Don't know. Never met her. And good luck getting information from him. Jesse isn't much of a talker. All I know is that she was from Portland. Portland? How far is that? Have I been there before? A few hours. I did my nursing program there. Here. I use this laptop for school. But I have an iPad now, so I don't need it. She pushes a scrap of paper forward. I wrote the passwords and some basic instructions down in case it doesn't come naturally. Wow, that's really fucking nice. She stands and stretches her arms over her head in, in an exaggerated yawn, her checkered shirt riding up over her tout belly? T-A-U-T? Tout? Taut? Are you hitting on Amber? Main character girl? Jane? Alex Alexandria? Water? That might be a spoiler. <laughs> Whoops. Alright. Um. Uh, I've got to run now. I picked up an extra shift tonight. You work a lot, don't you? When I was in the hospital, there was hardly a day that went by when she didn't stroll into my room with her scrubs on. Her hands slap against her thighs as she drops her arms dramatically. For now, yeah. I don't have a boyfriend. Most of my friends moved away from this town, and... My father's the almighty sheriff, so she throws her hands up in the air. What else am I going to do? I wonder what it's like to have Sheriff Gabe as your father. He's only ever been pleasant toward me. But if being married to the sheriff is sometimes difficult, as Meredith said, then I can't imagine what being his child must be like. Bamboo! Amber suddenly fires at me. It takes an arced brow, arced brow for me to clue in. What the hell? Bamboo? Panda? I finally answer, feeling silly. Dr. Weimer has me playing word association games with Meredith and Amber. They say a word, and I say the first thing that pops into my head. It's part of my therapy. Oh, that's cool. To see if something will trigger my memory. I'm supposed to keep a journal of all the word combinations and bring them with me to my weekly sessions. Why bamboo? Lifting the small fabric-bound notebook that Dr. Weimer gifted me. The cover smattered with colorful hummingbirds. Oh, off the table... She opens it and scribbles down the words for me. Because the end table beside your bed is made of bamboo. That's how this game usually goes. Random meaningless words plucked from my surroundings as much as out of the air. So far, I have half a journal's worth of words that have enlightened me about nothing.
except that apparently I'm aware of a panda bear's dietary preferences. When Amber's gone, I head back out to the deck. I take a seat in that rickety lawn chair and simply absorb the peace and quiet while I wait, because I have nothing better to do. And, in the back of my mind, I admit that I'm waiting for Jesse to come out of hiding, imagining what kind of girl he would have fallen in love with. She's beautiful, I'm sure of it. I'm also sure that I'm jealous of her. He doesn't poke his head out again. It's not the end of the chapter. There's only a break in the chapter. Okay, what time? Okay, we have 20 minutes. We can do this. Come on, guys. The round white wicker table is already set for two. The cutlery and glasses lined up tidily on either side. I hope you like chicken. Jenny slaps the rectangular casserole dish at the center of the table. The dog, who was lying on the old whitewashed porch floor with its eyes closed and seemingly not a care in the world when I first arrived, leaps to its haunches, its nose twitching at the scent of meat. Chicken's great, I confirm, pulling the zipper on my fleece jacket all the way up. It's April, and with the sun well on its way behind the mountain range, mountain ridge, it's far too cold to be eating outside on the porch, screened in or not. Can I help you with... Nope. She waves an oven-mitted hand away as she passes me. Go on, make yourself comfortable, girl. When I reach for the closest chair, she quickly adds, Not that one. Of course. I take the other seat as she dis disappears into the house. The door slapping shut with a clatter so quickly that I can't even sneak a glance inside. It's as if she intentionally removed the hinges on it. Hey, dog. Reaching down, I snap my fingers twice to catch its attention. What's your name? It swings its head toward my hand, and I see its nostrils twitch a second before it leans in and places a wet-tongued kiss on my wrist. It really is a mangy thing. The fur along its back is matted tufts. I'll give you a brushing tomorrow. How about that? Its tail wags twice, as if it knows what I'm saying. I love dogs. Jenny returns with two more dishes. One full of mashed potatoes and the other filled with brown beans. The dog instantly forgets my existence, sliding forward on its haunches facing Jenny. It's nothing special, but I've never seen much of a cook. But I've never, but I've never been much of a cook. It's nothing special, but I've never been much of a cook, she admits. Her chair scraping along the wood boards as she takes her seat. Pushing the dishes forward, she ushers. Well, go on then. This is my first meal out of the hospital, I murmur, loading my loading up my plate. At one point, I was 25 pounds underweight for my 5 foot 8 stat stature. That was mainly due to muscle loss. I've load I've slowly regained some of that, but my charts still say I have more to go. I saw the quilt on my bed, by the way. It's beautiful. You're very talented. 
I get a grunt in response. I don't let that dissuade me. My psychologist said I should consider finding a hobby. Maybe you could teach me how to quilt? A hobby would be a good start in embracing this new, fresh person I've become. Oh. First person I've become, she said. Okay. I've never been much for teaching anyone anything. Jenny grumbles, stabbing her chicken with her fork as she saws away at it with a butter knife. Another minute of silent passes. I saw Felix hunting. Uh, I saw Felix out hunting in the field with his, I mean, her kids today. They're, they're cute. They'll likely get eaten by coyotes. That stalls my tongue. Ginny's a real ray of sunshine. Taking a deep breath, I do what Meredith said to do and just ignore it. Two went running into the Wells' garage. I can ask Jesse to fish them out and bring them over if you think. That damn boy isn't to step so much as a pinky toe on my property. Do you hear me? Wolf. She bursts out. There's a flash of rage in her eyes. He's a bad egg. She waves her fork at me. You stay away from him. What did he... You gonna chatter my ears off all day through dinner? An uncomfortable silence hangs over as we eat. The clang of our metal cutlery against the old porcelain plates ringing through the quiet evening. That and the dog chomping at pieces of chicken that Ginny tossed its way. It has yet to catch one, too blind to see the flying meat before it bounces off its nose. The temperature must have dropped ten degrees by the time we finished dinner, leaving my hands pink and stiff from the cold. All I want to do is go back to my apartment above the garage and start a fire with the wood stove. My instincts drive me to stack our dirty dishes, and bring them to the sink, which I start to do. But then I look at the door and the metal bars across the window, and I stall. I'm not sure what the right answer here is. Am I supposed to notice Ginny's eccentricities? Do I bring it up? Do I just leave it be? I, I'd like to clean it. I'm fine. Patting the dog's head, she tempers her tone. Me and Felix have been on our own for a few years, haven't we, boy? I frown. I thought Felix was your cat. What's your point? She swipes the plates from my hand to stack on top of hers. I like the name. Ain't nothing wrong with naming your pets the same name, if you like it. But I feel my frown deepen. But how do you distinguish them from each other? Because I know which Felix I'm calling when I call them. That's how. It's a good name. I agree, slowly pressing my lips together to keep from smiling. Because something tells me she wouldn't find my amusement amusing. Oh my god. This fucking 
writing. Narrow eyes size me up. You think I'm strange, don't you? I blush, afraid to say anything to offend her. She may banish me from her property, yet I think I think you're very kind. Her mouth twists up like she doesn't believe me. Well, Felix is better than Jane Doe, I'll tell you that much. Why on earth are you answering to that ridiculous name anyway? You can't possibly like it. I can't argue with her on that. It's the first time anyone has even asked what I think of the name. I feel like I belong in a morgue, I, be, I admit. And I need to find something else if I want a new ID. Sheriff Gabe already has the judge and paperwork lined up. Well, then give yourself a new name. It's not hard. I don't know why you haven't done it already. She doesn't get it. I don't just want a new name. I want my name. Well, doesn't look like you're getting it anytime soon, now does it? So maybe you need to go. So maybe you need to let go of that idea. She outright glares at me. Count your blessings, girl. You get to be whoever you want to be. Without the burden of the past. Count your blessings sounds an awful lot like you should be happy. I don't feel blessed or happy. Relieved, yes. Standing out on that balcony of my new home, overlooking kittens. <sighs> overlooking kittens running in the meadow. I felt a degree of comfort that I had yet to experience. But none of this overshadows the fact that I don't have a life. But maybe I want to know who I was before I choose to start over, I argue. Do you? Really? She pushes her chair out and stands abruptly, an annoyed air swirling around her. The girl you were had her face sliced up, her teeth knocked out, her body violated. Do you want to remember all that? I'm pretty sure that brain of yours has decided it doesn't want anything to do with the girl you were anymore. And if your brain is telling you that, then maybe you ought to listen. She starts loading her arms with dishes, muttering, Just give yourself a damn name, and that will be your name. I was going to argue with you. Deep inside, I know she's right. Louder, she demands. Now go home and start a fire. You're shivering and it's making me cold. She stalks away her arms. She stalks away, her arms full, her hip holding the door open just long enough for Felix, the dog, to scamper in behind her. Great. First night and we're already at odds. What a sigh. With a sigh, I tuck my hands beneath my arms and leave the porch, limping as quickly as my healing leg can carry me. Her words weighing heavily on my spirit. Oh, fuck.
We did it, guys. We made it to chapter 13. Wow. I am not going to do what I did anymore. It is one or the other from now on. Or an edible. I think that works. But, yeah. We hit a nice uh, 25 tangents with this episode. And we went about an hour longer than we should have. Great. I I am good at my job, which is, which is this. Cool. All right. Well, everyone, thank you. Who am I kidding? Nobody, none of you listened this far. Not, none of you listened this far. You saw the two-minute hour mark, and you were like, oh, I don't know. I'm not touching that one. Uh, I'll, that's okay. Which is fine. Totally fine. But for those of you that are actually listening to this and actually did do that, you know they actually just listened to all of this. Thank you. I promise you things will be better and more profesh. Because just because you're high and you think things are a good idea doesn't mean they actually are. Wow. Fuck this episode. Those who blaze together go twice as high together and apparently... Fuck up their entire project. Okay. We're going to finish this damn book. If, by hell or high water, I don't know if we're going to another book, but we're going to finish this damn book. <clears throat> okay. That's all. Bye.